Welcome back, beloved. Today's video is titled, Did Jesus Predict the Future? Question mark. And uh, the reason I'm making this video is because I made this video. A couple months ago, I made a video, Deuteronomy 18, Who is the Great Prophet? And I highly, highly recommend you watch this video because this is almost like a part two of that video. Deuteronomy 18 is a prophecy written 1500 years before Jesus was born about a great prophet coming into the world that the Jewish people would have to listen to. Um, and so I made that video. It's about 30 minutes long. But one thing I realized was you know, I explained how clearly scripture is showing that, yes, Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. It was a prophecy of the coming Messiah, that he would be a prophet. Remember, Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. And according to his human nature, he's a prophet. He speaks to the people on behalf of God. He's a priest. He speaks to God and sacrifices for the people, right? And he is a king. He is a ruler, right? He's a prophet, a priest, and a king. So, I, I got through all that in Deuteronomy 18, and I'm reteaching it to my church this week, and I realized, man, I got through all of that, and I, it really is clear that Deuteronomy 18 is clearly showing how Jesus is that great prophet, but I feel like I did my Lord a disservice. I never got to the fun stuff. You know, at the end of the day, when we're talking about prophecy, it's not always predicting the future. It's really not. Prophecy means to speak forth the words of God. It could be a warning. It could be encouragement. It's not always telling the future when you read and study the Bible. However, yes, there is a certain expectation when we talk about a great prophet that any good prophet should predict the future. I mean, Jonah, when he goes into Nineveh, he says there's a certain amount of days, and then if you don't repent, judgment is coming, right? Isaiah 46, the Lord is speaking, saying, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come, right? This is our Lord. He tells the end from the beginning. Jesus is, is the Messiah, the great prophet. And so, yes, he has accurately predicted the future. And so this video is like a part two of that Deuteronomy 18 video. So I recommend you go down. I'm already going to make the assumption you've watched that video. And so we know Jesus is that great prophet. And so now I want to do like a 30,000 foot overview. Many of these things I've taught in my other videos but it's so important, specifically in my walk with the Lord, constantly be bringing these things to remembrance. Human beings in our flesh, we're likely to forget all the great things about the Lord that we've learned. So I'm going to do a 30,000 foot view of just how many amazing things Jesus predicted about the future and how true his word is. And I hope it really blesses you guys. So I'm going to start with Luke chapter 19. He is talking about Jerusalem. This is written 2,000 years ago, okay, while, while Jeru the Jews are in Jerusalem at this time. And Jesus is prophesying. He says, The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you. They will surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. He is prophesying judgment against the nation of Israel, specifically against Jerusalem, this city right here, right? This is a modern day picture. And that's exactly what the Romans did. 35 years after Christ died, roughly, they came in and you could just study it. It's historical fact. It is the Roman siege of Jerusalem. Okay, very straightforward, clearly fulfilled, right? You can go on to another verse in Matthew 24. Jesus is talking now specifically about the temple in the middle of Jerusalem. 
And somebody said, look, do you see how amazing this temple is? I mean, this is a massive structure, sort of the focal point of Jerusalem. And Jesus says, do you not see all these things? These are massive stones, by the way, right? The boulders that could like take 10 men to move, right? He says, assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that will not be thrown down. So this is another extremely specific prophecy about the Roman siege of Jerusalem. He says, not one stone will be left. And at the time in the temple, in between the stones, they put gold. They were wealthy. They were, they were able to do that. And it was just a massive, glorious structure. And Jesus says, this is all coming down, not one stone. And so it's recorded in history and you can go to Jerusalem. I've gone, I've seen it. The stones are, are all fallen apart of the original temple, not one's on another. And the reason it's completely destroyed is the Roman soldiers wanted to burn the gold out. So they, they toppled all the building. They wanted to get the gold in between the stones. And so just like Jesus said, every single one was taken. So not only that Jerusalem would be sieged, which it was, uh, they estimate up to 1 million Jews died in the siege. It was like a mini Holocaust, very, very serious judgment. Jesus cried over Jerusalem when he saw them. He said, oh, I wish that you would be gathered under my wings like an eagle or a hen would gather them and, you know, uh, protect them. But he said, you just wouldn't. They, they just rejected him no matter what. And so he, he prophesied this judgment on him. And both of those clearly, clearly happen. But then it goes even further. Then it goes even further. In Luke 21, uh, Jesus says, they, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. Remember, Jesus was a Jew. He was of the tribe of Judah. It says, they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. This is a, a historical event called the Jewish diaspora. It, it, it literally just happened. Everyone knows it's true, regardless if you believe the Bible is the word of God or not. Nobody argues about that. Okay, They literally, from, from the Roman siege of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, they were led away captive into all the nations. And it says, Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles, by the nations, by non-Jews, until the times of the nations are fulfilled. And I'll make another video explaining what exactly the times of the Gentiles or the times of the nations are. All you need to understand today is Jesus is saying, as a judgment, you are going to be scattered to all the nations. But, but one day that will be, it's only until a certain fixed period of time, the times of the Gentiles are over. To this day, Jordan actually controls the Temple Mount. When you go to Jerusalem, there's the Gentile section and the Jewish section and all these different sections. Jerusalem to this day is still trampled uh, and will be until the second coming of Christ, right? The end of the age. Now, talking about this led away captive into all nations, there are hundreds of verses in the Old Testament that warn about this. It's incredible. Jesus is just echoing those prophecies uh, of, of the coming judgment for rejecting their God, right? But here it is in real time. This is literally where Jews live this day. Seven million of them have been gathered back to Israel. Most of these are just right after World War II. Israel wasn't even a nation because they were scattered all over the world. Uh, but in 1947, they became a nation again. In 1967, after the Six-Day War, they conquered Jerusalem. So about half, there's only 15 million Jews in the world, roughly. Half of them are in Israel, a huge portion are in America, but look, there's Jews all over the world, just like the Bible says, they have been scattered. However, 
God has begun his work of gathering them back up. Here's statistics of how many Jews were in the land of Israel over time. 500 years ago, virtually no Jews, only 5,000. This is the non-Jewish population. This is the Jewish population. 500 years ago, like 5,000 Jews. Literally, pretty much no real Jews up until about 1936. And then in 1947, right, that's when 630,000 Jewish people are there. Uh, that's the establishment of the modern state of Israel, which is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. You fast forward, you just see it growing and growing, growing over the years. Now there's 7 million Jews, 10 times as many, right? And so I brought up these verses so you can see the word of God come to life. Ezekiel 36 is written 2,600 years ago. And it warns of this judgment. It says, I'll take you from among the nations and gather you out of all the countries and bring you into your own land. That's what he did. Look, I mean, he, Jesus warned 2,000 years ago, I'm going to scatter you. They're, all the Jews are out of Israel a couple hundred years ago. Look, in 1800, there's 24,000 Jews there. That's, that's like a small town. That's nothing, right? Now, he says, I'll, bring, I'll gather you back. And he starts to bring them back. Now the Jews are back there. Jesus warned 2,000 years ago, you're going to fall. You're going to be led away captive to all the nations. That's what I showed you. They were. Everyone knows that they were. But there will be a time where you'll be gathered back up. The times of the nations will end. And when the Messiah comes back, the Jewish people, the Bible makes it very clear, would be back in their land. And so you see, Jesus clearly prophesied the Roman siege of Jerusalem. He prophesied the temple would be destroyed. And he prophesied his nation as a judgment would be scattered to the nations and then gathered back up. And that's all happening in real time. And over the last like 70 years, it is happening rapidly, rapidly. So very clearly, that's the fun stuff. He, he can predict the future. But now I, I want to go to eschatology with you. Eschatology is the biblical study of the end of the world, how God says he's going to wrap things up, right? People call it the time of the tribulation, a seven-year period of judgment. The book of Revelation is the revelation of of Jesus Christ. That's the first couple words. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the revealing of who Jesus is. Spoiler alert. He is God, right? Jesus is God. That's what the Bible's telling us. But it also gives us prophecy, okay? When we get into eschatology, the study of the end times, we're not trying to say with every new piece of technology or every new sign, hey, the end is nigh, or hey, it's right now or this second. That's not what I'm ever trying to do. However, I always talk about this sweet reasonableness of eschatology where the Bible tells us where we are headed, okay? And, and the word of God and Jesus, Jesus clearly says in the book of Revelation, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify these things in the churches. So Reve the book of Revelation is Jesus talking to us, right? There are several prophecies in the book of Revelation that you can just see couldn't have been fulfilled thousands of years ago. The only way Jesus could have known is if he understood our current technology, which he did because it's not that complex to the creator of the universe, right? So let me break it down. Here's, here's one of them from Revelation. This is me, by the way. This is a real picture of me last week. <laughs> okay, I was waiting all day to make that joke. All right, so Revelation 11, just to give you some backdrop, we are deep into the tribulation. Half the population of the world is like gone. 
horrible judgments. It's real time. Christ is coming back soon. Okay. So Revelation 11, the world is in a serious state of turmoil. And there are two witnesses, two prophets that God supernaturally and miraculously empowers to speak his truth and to, to bring judgment on the world. And they are going to be just two pillars of truth at the time. And it says when they, these people, these two witnesses finish their testimony, the beast, that is the Antichrist that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them and kill them. So very straightforward. You're going to have the two witnesses. They are going to be overcome and they are going to be killed. And it says their dead bodies. So they are dead will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually, this is key, is called Sodom and Egypt, okay, where also our Lord was crucified. Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. These two witnesses will be killed and their dead bodies will be in Jerusalem. Spiritually, it's called Sodom because it will be a time of sexual immorality, LGBTQ. If you go to Jerusalem today, if you go to Israel today, they actually have a gay pride parade. They're actually called the Middle Eastern Haven for that, that homosexual, uh, sexually immoral behavior. And the Bible says they will continue and fall away and not, not be in Christ and be immoral uh, until Christ comes back. It actually says in Zechariah 13, when Christ comes back for, for his nation and he opens up their eyes and he, he's, there's going to be a great revival, it says then a fountain is open for uncleanliness, right? For, for that gross sin, Sodom for sexual immorality and Egypt for idolatry. The Hebrew people brought idols out of Egypt. They were led into idolatry. So very straightforward. It's saying spiritually at the time of the second coming of Christ, at the time of the end, Jerusalem is going to be sexually immoral and given over to idolatry and sin. But physically, it's going to be where the Lord was crucified, Jerusalem. Okay? So these two guys are dead. The Antichrist has killed them. And then it says, those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations, the entire world, those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into the grave. And what's crazy, if you go on in this chapter, it actually says within three and a half days, the whole world not only sees these people's dead bodies, they all rejoice and they, they give each other presents. It's like an anti-Christ Christmas. <laughs> They're all rejoicing over them dead. So how on earth... Okay, how on earth, 2,000 years ago when Revelation is written, everybody in the world is supposed to see two dead guys in Jerusalem? It, it wasn't. It wasn't, much less not only see them, have time to process that information and send everybody a bunch of gifts. It doesn't make any sense. It was not possible. But my question is, what about now? And I actually use this in evangelism all the time, not, not to scare people that the end of the world is tomorrow, but to show them like God understand, God is sovereign. He understands what we would do with technology. He's outside of time. Now you could see a prophet in Jerusalem on your iPhone. In fact, we're getting to the point where almost there's almost four or 5 billion smartphones out there. Then you've got TVs, computers, you name it. Pretty much everyone in the modern world has access to see these things. 2000 years ago, when this book is written, it doesn't say that, but it does now, it's clear now what the word of God is saying. And so I always say there's a sweet reasonableness with uh, eschatology and the study of the end times, how it wouldn't make sense then, but now it's clear. You can see, okay, yeah, I, th that's reasonable and, and the world headed towards that direction. 
Another one, very dramatic, I, I made a video on the mark of the beast. It breaks down all the scripture. It's on my end times Bible prophecy playlist. I believe these scriptures are very important for Christians to understand, study. Uh, it, it brings glory to God to have a good, well-informed eschatology. It can also make you very discerning. Because if you know where all the false teachings are coming from and where it's all leading and you see false teaching in your church, you're able to discern the truth from error in a gracious way, hopefully. But I made a video on the mark of the beast. And, and you know, once again, it's very straightforward. There's a sweet reasonableness, a reasonableness to it. In Revelation 13, it talks about the mark of the beast. It is an economic system. I brought up a little picture of Bitcoin here. I'm not anti-crypto by any means, but everything's going digital now. Money is going digital. Cash is seen as very dirty after COVID. You know, Revelation 13, it talks about the mark of the beast. It says, you know, the, the Antichrist, and he will have a religious leader as well called a false prophet. The Antichrist will be a world government leader or dictator the false prophet will be a world religious leader, right? And he will require all people, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, right? Everybody, every type of person to receive a mark on their right hand or their forehead. And without that mark, you cannot buy or sell unless you have the mark or, or the name of the beast or the number of its name. And 2000 years ago, that just really wouldn't be possible for all types of people on the earth, right? It just wouldn't, it would be too much to manage that. But now you could kind of see that materializing. In fact, if I were going to take over the world, I would certainly want to control the money and the, the ability to buy and sell food, right? And, and of course, they would do that digitally. Uh, I'll pull up uh, this 30-second clip blows my mind. I see it all the time, but I'm seeing a lot of people talking about chips and QR codes on our hands, and you can link the QR code to your bank account, to your cryptocurrency account, all these different things I see transpiring, I would never look at something and say, oh, that's the mark of the beast. But I believe humanity is being prepared because the people and the groups most pushing these sorts of technologies are people that are very interested in controlling the entire world. So check this video out really quick. ...that lasts a lifetime. There's a new tattoo in town. Did you hear about this one? Vice reports the trendiest tattoo of the moment is the QR code. You what? know, right? Those little codes at the table at the restaurant um, where you can scan out to buy what the appetizers are. Or shop in any retailer. I don't understand. Wait. Okay, so you know those little codes. But why? You, like, yeah. what's on it? Like, when you scan your well, body. That's code. the point. People are getting the personalized QR code that will lead them to their resume, their favorite song, proof of vaccination. Hard pass. If I ever did this, I would get a link to that Bed Bath and & Beyond. So pretty straightforward. You know, it says in the last times, too, that scoffers would come according to their own scoffing. And so as the signs of the times get more and more clear and, and more and more dramatic, right? The Bible says we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We know what's true. All of mankind actually knows God exists. They just don't want to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, right? But you see kind of the sweet reasonableness I'm talking about now, just sort of building, right? And so the Bible makes it very clear. Another one is globalism, right? The Bible makes it very clear, okay? And, and I'm doing a very high-level look at this. It really, check out my Daniel 7 video and my Daniel 2 video, talking about the statue in Daniel 2. But the Bible makes it very clear. At the time of the end, there will be a global government. Daniel 7, written 530 years before Jesus was born, about 25, 2600 years ago, 
talks about a fourth kingdom that will appear on the earth, a fourth world kingdom. And it says it'll be different from all the other kingdoms. The last world kingdom was Rome. You know, that was 2,000 years ago. Before that was Greece and Medo-Persia. They were all swords and daggers. Now, if we had a world kingdom like the Bible prophesies, yes, it would look different. It, look at technology. I mean, it would be fought with tanks and airplanes and drones, right? So this kingdom that's coming is different from all the other kingdoms, and it devours the whole earth, tramples it, and crushes it. And when the Antichrist comes on the scene, now this is written about 94 years after the death of Christ, uh, or about 60 years after, excuse me, then the beast was permitted, the Antichrist, this beast from Daniel 7, Revelation is picking up that, that concept, is permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. It's given authority. This beast, this coming forth kingdom, the Bible prophesies, is given authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation. So there is going to be a world kingdom that devours the whole world. The Bible says the inhabitants of the earth look at this kingdom and say, who's like it? Who can wage war with it? I mean, it's just going to be a global powerhouse. Well, I mean, I just did a video a couple days ago, the World Economic Forum racing toward the mark of the beast. This is media they put out. It's on their website. Right now, it's very clear the people most interested in ruling the whole world and bringing us all together under, uh, into globalism, they can't stop talking about putting chips on your hands and QR codes and all sorts of stuff in your body. It's all they ever want to talk about. And so you can kind of see it when you have these godless ideologies. We think we're wise, but we become fools. You're just fulfilling exactly what the, the Bible said would happen, right? And so globalism, the mark of the beast, the gathering back of the Jewish people, again and again and again and again, the Bible is very clear. Jesus has predicted the future. The word of God was all written by Jesus in a sense because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the Messiah, right? Jesus is fully God and fully man, right? God wrote the whole Bible through the spirit. Now he used people to do it, uh, but it's the word of God. And so it predicts the future again and again and again and again. So now we've established, if you've watched my Deuteronomy 18 video, that not only is Jesus the great prophet of Deuteronomy 18, he also accurately foretold the future. This means we can trust whatever Jesus says. Now, all the things I've been telling you today, they can actually be sort of humanly, reasonably discerned. And I believe they're supposed to give anyone, believer or non-believer, a clear witness of the truth of Scripture. Like there really is a nation in, in Israel, in the Middle East right now, regathered according to the word of God and his prophecy. There really is reasonably going to be a mark of the beast one day. There really is reasonably technology where everyone could see two dead guys in Jerusalem. The word of God is true. It's reasonable. It can be verified and it stands the test of time. And you should trust it. But you should also trust the things Jesus says that you don't understand. And that's what I want to show you. I want to show you no matter what Jesus says, we can trust it. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, there's many people out there that think they're good people. They think they're on their way to heaven because of their good deeds, right? They might claim Jesus, but deep down when you ask them on judgment day, if heaven were on the right and hell were on the left, and the Lord were to say, why should I let you into heaven? They always seem to say the same thing to me. Well, I've tried my best. I pray. I love God. Guys, that's all the law. The law cannot save you. The law is just meant to open up our eyes. We can't labor under it and be justified. By the deeds of the law, the Bible says no one's justified. The law just shows you your sin, that we're lawbreakers. You need a sacrifice 
for those sins. And that's what Christ offers. On the cross, he bore the wrath of God to make a way for you to be saved. And he offers everyone, no matter what you've done, a free and full pardon. Jesus says in John chapter 7, on the last day of a great feast, he stands up and he cries out and he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Anyone thirsts. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, if you have faith in Jesus, you have everlasting life. I just showed you all the glorious truth of the word of God, how powerful it is. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So if you are confident, if you have faith in Christ today, you have everlasting life. That's a glorious gift. Rejoice in it. John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That's what Jesus offers. Light, life. The whole world right now, Jesus said this, is under the sway of the wicked one. That's written in the Bible, excuse me. And Jesus said, the devil is the little G, God of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. The whole world walks in darkness. Jesus offers you light. Jesus entered his own creation. Jesus is the creator. He is God in human flesh. He is the light of the world. Follow him. Jesus said, walk in the light and you will become a child of light. Follow him. Jesus says in John 8, 23, you're from beneath. He's looking at people. I am from above. Jesus again and again and again claimed to be God. He said, you are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you, you will die in your sins. For we can trust this, guys. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who, who do you have to believe Jesus is? God and the Messiah and the Savior and the Lord. Everything he claims to be in his word. That's who Jesus is. And finally, Jesus says, if you do not repent, you will perish. You must repent. If you are not in Christ, if this is the first time you've heard the truth of God's word, if, you, if you've been going to church your whole life and never, submit, and never repented, you must repent. Turn away from sin. Believe on Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Bible says, is the image of the invisible God. If you go to him, you can have mercy and grace, but it's on his terms. It's not mercy and grace and some works. It's not some of your righteousness mixed in with what Christ has done. The Bible says Christ died for the ungodly. God justifies the ungodly. It says while we were enemies of God, hostile to a holy God in sin, hating God, he died for us. So you come to him on those terms, knowing you're a rebel, knowing you've sinned, understanding it. The Bible says so many times, acknowledge your sin, acknowledge it. If God were only just, we would all end up in hell. I'd be in hell right now. I've sinned enough times in thought while making this video <laughs> in the last 26 minutes to go to hell. You don't understand. The law can save no one. We need grace and mercy. And that's what Christ offers. And you can trust Christ. He didn't just predict the future. He offers a way out. He offers a sacrifice. He's the savior of the universe. I hope you guys